Podcast. Barrel Surf 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 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. Namu here with you today. A balmy summer's afternoon in Yelling Up, Western Australia. Got a big show for you today, a brand new episode, and as usual, to my right, Mr. Adam Kennedy, Adzi. G'day, mates. Yes, uh, very warm Sunday summer afternoon. So warm, in fact, we had to uh, move out of the shed quarters. Relocate? Relocate into the treehouse. So we're in the kids' treehouse. The boys uh, <laughs> boys helped me clean up, and uh, it was covered in jarra flowers. It's been snowing yellow jarra flowers the last couple of weeks, like... Some days you come out here and it's, it literally looks like it's snowing. The summer's in full effect. Very hot, dry summer over here this year. And uh, we're up in the treetops where there's a very light breeze and a couple of cold, cheeky monkeys to help us get through the afternoon. But we do have some beauty. very special guests to join us in the treehouse, which is we do got some pretty exciting news as well. So uh, why don't you take it away, Nemo? Well, we've heard about this guy for a few years now, and uh, he's a good friend of a former guest on the podcast who also joins us today, Mr. Benny McCarthy. We, we had an episode a little while back called original wave part gangster don't know how our, our other guests will feel about that welcome to the show mr andrew ross an originator from the wave pool world and current ceo of adventure you're the ceo aren't you uh chairman mate chairman yeah. yes yeah. andrew ross welcome to the show g'day boys lovely to meet you thanks yeah. for coming on board mate original original wave park gangster is with us as his original wave park gangster benny andy wave parks are something that really sort of Gets the passion, gets the blood sort of going in people. Mm. Um, I know there's, you know, there's a bit of history about the, the sort of way park saying. Can you give us a bit of a background in the whole whole thing, mate? Yeah, for sure, buddy. So um, wave pools, there's like a distinction you can make. Like there's, there's been wave pools in the past and they're kind of like man-made, uh, you know, bodies of water that create ocean-like conditions for bathers. And now what we've got is surf parks. And surf parks is where you're trying to create um, authentic surfing waves for surfers, uh, which is you know which is the distinction. And the only reason that surf parks have come around really is because um, computing power has increased so much over the last sort of 20 years or so that you can start modelling uh, all the intricacies of a of a surfing wave. Um, computers and all their the different engineering programming systems. I'm not an engineer, but all the different systems they use to kind of model these waves, you couldn't actually do it before, but now you can. So um, it's been a really interesting. Uh, I've been in the, in the space for about 12 years now, yep. and uh, I came from a, a different background. I was a, a lawyer and then an investment banker, and then I was a public company CEO for oil companies which were someone described as the evil trinity of jobs. <laughs> if, I, if I didn't do anything fucking good with my life, I was kind of fucking hell, I reckon. So, so I, uh, yeah, just You got 20 to, years of uh, wave pools to uh, try to yeah, get back to, to square myself. one. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I, I turned 40 and I, I thought I want to do something else. I was sort of a bit over the oil and gas space. So, um, yeah, just came across this news article where Kelly and Greg Weber were having a dispute over a circular wave pool. Oh, design. I remember seeing that remember thing. That? Yeah, the, the endless wave. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? that's it. And yeah. so I, I thought, fuck, this is really interesting. And I kind of kept an eye on this kind of technology space for a long period of time. Yeah. And uh, so I contacted Kelly's group, found out what they were doing, and then contacted Greg, met up with him in Sydney, found out what he was doing. 
and uh, through that process discovered the Wave Garden guys in Spain and um, that sort of started the journey. So it's been a really, really interesting past decade just seeing how the technologies have changed and as it's kind of moved towards something that's uh, both commercial but sustainable and provides, a, you know, really truly authentic surfing experiences for surfers. Yeah. And what about the circular wave pool with endless waves? Is that Mate, dead, in, dead in the water, you might say? Well, uh, yeah. Look, it's a bit fanciful. Um, there's, there's science and then there's science fiction. And yeah. um, this kind of falls in a bit of science fiction. All of us as kids, we would have hopped in a swimming pool yeah. and then like walked around the outside yeah, edge yeah, and yeah. create a bit of a whirlpool. whirlpool. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what would happen if you have a circular pool and you can't dissipate the wave energy. And what happens is the wave accelerates faster than the device that's making it and gets away from it. Yeah, right. So then you can't control the shape of the wave and just gets faster and faster. Sick. So it you just doesn't work. drowning all over people the place. People drowning and flying out the edges. And <laughs> sounds so, awesome. Yeah. So there's been, there's been kind of an evolution in thinking around surf parks over the last Yep. decade or so and we you know you start with that circular one you then moved to the um the pump and dump systems where they they pump these big chambers inside a big concrete wall full of water yeah they open like a sluice on the bottom and the water yep. all rushes out and creates this big wedgy wave is that like the chinese those chinese videos where yeah. you can't even see the water it's just like that's it just two thousand people on human a rubber ducky everywhere yeah. yeah that's that style isn't that's it that style the water adventure one in dubai is like that as well oh, and yeah. that that's kind of good but it Big lumpy wave to start with, but because you're not putting any more energy into the wave as it propagates out from that wall, it just reduces in size and shape and speed and power the further it goes. So it'll start off at like about three metres high, and within about 30 metres, it's about knee high. So, you know, the Surf Lakes one, the big plungery one, that yeah. kind of suffers from that as well. Does it? And then it moves from there into the wave foil type technologies, and Kelly's is kind of pinnacle of that. Yep. Use this massive, dirty, great big uh, foil to displace water. Um, it's really inefficient, so it can lift up lots of water at once. Yeah. But the wave that it makes, it's kind of like a boat wake. And you know, if a boat wake, if you think about it coming behind a boat, it's kind of got it. If you look at it from above, it's got a concave, sorry, a convex shape. So like like the outside of a bowl, if you look at a bowl upside down. Yeah. And on that curved surface, I got my hand up in front of the boys here, just sort of showing them. Yeah. Um, on that curved surface, it's really hard to surf. Like it's trying to push you off either into the white water or if you get too far across onto the shoulder, there's no energy there and you're kind of coming off the back. Yeah, right. And we all surf on con concave waves, you know, they yeah, sort of yeah. wrap around points or whatever and you create a, create a bowl and it's much easier to sort of create tubes from that perspective. So we've moved from the, the wave foil technology, now we're into sort of more modular style technologies which create these concave shaped waves, which are more authentic. Yeah, sick. And mate, um, what about the bottom contours? Obviously there's all sorts of cool stuff, but like watching Pipe today when it was sunny and glassy and clear and you're getting all those drone shots and you're getting such a cool uh, view of the reef. It's and amazing, you, hey? Yeah, it's the reef. And you're just like, mate, it's, it almost looks like there's no shape to that reef aside from the actual channel going on the left, yeah. but on the right. And then there's like holes in it and cracks in it. And you're just like, you know, I wonder, you wonder sometimes how it can consistently not close out, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously there is closeouts, but you sort of wonder how it does it. Cause it, you know, you look at say somewhere like J Bay or something like, you know, like that. And you could, if you had a drone shot of that, you'd just see, yeah. The contour just, just going a, a all the way edge. down. But when yeah. you see somewhere like that, that's just got holes and all that sort of stuff in it. Um, what sort of contours are you guys looking at in yeah. your park? The, like the contours is, it's it's probably the, 
the secret sauce in all the different technologies in doing surf parks actually what they call it is the bathymetry so it's the yep. bottom profile of the lagoon yep. and it's designed to mimic those reef structures so if you look at pipeline and a few of the other famous reefs around the world they've done lidar surveys on them so they've taken drone shots over it and they can map individually all of the reefs so you can see what it all looks like yep. and you, you've got those really interesting uh, little channels that sort of run through the reef at pipe it allows water to sort of drain out and through and um, so a lot of that kind of natural environment is tries it tries to be replicated in these man-made environments so for instance the technology we're going to be using wave garden cove there's i think there's six or seven coves now built around the world including the one in melbourne that we built yeah um that has a fixed bottom profile and the trick then is to push the water towards these different sort of planar shapes that you've got like different geometry shapes in the in the floor to create different waves. And so if we want like a long kind of peeling, more point breaky style wave, then we push the water towards this part of the lagoon floor, yeah, lifts right. up and creates a certain breaking wave. Wow. We want something that's a bit more steep, a bit more slabby, then what we do, and this is the modular technology allows you to do this. You can push the, the water in different ways. You push it towards another part of the floor, lifts up even steeper and it breaks with a little more intensity. Yeah. So that's, yeah, the floor is really important. Yeah. And just concrete, is that what the – so I guess we probably haven't mentioned it yet, but one of the main reasons we got uh, Andrew on here, aside from all things surfing and froth, is there's a wave pool going on in Perth that's been in the plans for a while and it uh, looks like it may be coming to fruition. And uh, hopefully we've got some news on that. But um, yeah, what what bottom is it going to be up there? Is it just a concrete bottom? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. So the 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 bottom profile has to sort of stay the same, but the what you use the materials to construct it change depending on the geotechnical, you know, like the type of soil you've got, whether you're building on rock or sand or clay or something else. Yeah, you need a you need to create this pavement, this floor that can withstand the plunging force of the waves and we'll do like 3 million waves a year over the top of this floor Yeah, right. and it and it hits with up to like 100 uh, well uh, I won't go into all that shit but it's, it's like it hits the, hard it hits hard it, it's, <laughs> and consistently and consistently and yeah. so and you got this like swept force of water just Hence rushing we have through. the great Australian bite <laughs> <laughs> so you just gotta you gotta uh, match that kind of uh, pavement design to your soil conditions yeah, and right. then to be able to withstand the forces within the lagoon itself we didn't want to get too technical there, but I am mm. quite curious what the soil profile is up in Coburn where you're looking at building. Yeah, Cockburn. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just a it's bunch of... Um, Cockburn. Just, just a whole bunch of leftover foreskins just rubbed off on the ground <laughs> in Cockburn. <laughs> Mate, you put enough foreskins together, you good at, get a good waves, wave. <laughs> get a good reef. <laughs> well, I'll have to send that idea to all the technical guys, see what they reckon. But... Um, they yeah the the soil we got up there is it's kind of interesting it's uh, just like a grey kind of silica sand yeah okay. and uh, but it's got um, it's got some kind of like slightly softer organic stuff part, part way down and so we have to think about that you know just you know the worst thing you want is for part of the lagoon to subside over time you know you just hit it enough times it kind of falls and drops so we just have to make sure that we can reinforce it so that. Um, uh, over that, you know, that design life of 20 years or so, you only get a, a minimal amount of movement, so you don't get any breaks and cracks. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, with the soil profile in Melbourne, has there been any movement in the bottom contours there? Yeah. So Benny's sitting here on my left. Ben mm. was our development uh, director for the Melbourne project. Uh, he and I were in the trenches there for such a long time trying to solve that. Like, and that just shows like the thinking in the surf park space over time. We thought we actually had decent soil, but it wasn't. It was shit. <laughs> and it was like the 
fucking hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life trying to work out how to solve for that soil. So we had this expansive clay. And so like if you if you drop any water on it, the thing just like froths up like a fucking souffle. And then if you dry it, it just, fucking Melbourne. just cracks, just cracks yeah. like a motherfucker and yeah. it's just so, so tight. So... Uh, and we're trying to put this massive body, 26 million litres of water on top of it and then hoping it never leaks, which they always leak. So yeah, right. what you'd, the problem we'd have is if you have a little crack, the, the um, clay soil will expand around it and then it'll perpetuate the crack. Like oh, make right. it worse. Yeah, right. So we, we spent so much time just trying to solve for that and got a, got a good solution in the end. And I think... Um, Let me guess, silicon? <laughs> silicon. I am <laughs> a plumber, mate. The, Come mate, on. <laughs> there is a bit of, like, there's a, a ton of uh, Sickens products oh, is there? involved. Oh, the great great pipe. Okay, the I whole thing is great pipe. Yeah, it's <laughs> silicon and uh, duct tape just holding silicon. these parks together because that's, that's all it, my mate. that's all my houses are getting held together with. Yeah, Maybe it. there's a job for me at the at the wave park. I could yeah, be on. That's it. Well, we had to. So, like, just to be slightly technical, the the um the 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 soil was going to expand and contract a little bit if it got wet and dried out, and so we had to have a floor that was sufficiently weak that it would bend without cracking if it expanded, but was strong enough to withstand all the plunging forces, the waves moving through there. So there was a really fine balance to try and get a solution to that. We got it in the end and the floor's doing really well. And uh, yeah, so. Mate, must be, must be hard, eh? Like, oh, you're listening to some of this stuff and this is, we're probably brushing the surface on his technicalities. And meanwhile, you've got all us monkeys on the internet just going, Make it bigger, Make longer. It bigger. What are you doing? Build more of <laughs> them. Hurry bigger. up. Why is it taking so long? Mate, you've got all of us saying the same thing, you know? So we got on the technology guys and the engineers saying, stop being so fucking conservative. We want it to be bigger. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's like this, you know, when we went through it with Melbourne, it was like the first time it had ever been built, uh, full-scale commercial, that Wave Garden Cove. And that was like 2019. We did first waves. Got to surf the very first wave. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And, um... The, but like we had a, we had like probably a thousand different major serious problems and questions we had to answer all the way through that build, and that's that's probably not understating it. And so you never want to be in that situation when you're trying to build something. And we just we were just doing really novel stuff and trying to solve shit on the on the fly all the time. So you know it was, it was you know big shout out to the team, the development team that was involved in that with us. Uh, it was a pretty hectic uh, build period. And five years, five years later, it's still going strong. I yeah. say the Melbourne wave pool is uh, extremely popular. Um, before we do move on, uh, when are we expecting? This is a the question that everyone wants answered. When are we expecting the Perth wave pool to open? Uh, so at this stage, I'm hoping we're going to get it open by about the first quarter of 2026. So probably what's that? Two years from now. Yep. Um, I hope I'm not being too optimistic there, but I think that's probably about the time frame. Uh, so we've got a couple of years to wait. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We better hurry up because uh, one of Barrel Surf Podcast's favourite sons, Billy Gibson's, just rolled in from probably another day in the salt water, and uh, mate, he needs he needs to get a taste of this. He's yeah, been surfing yeah. here for uh, sixty years, and uh, uh, he he needs to get uh, in before he's uh, uh, before his I'm, body gives out. I'm listening to the contours of the bottom, and I'm just going, what's pushing the water? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's my question. Just got a bit yeah. close up, Billy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I'm. I, I surfed. Uh, I surfed um, North Wales. Uh, oh yeah, Snowdonia. Snowdonia. Uh, yeah, yeah. About Fifteen years ago. Yeah. And that was my first experience with uh, this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the player through the middle of the wave and yep. left hander, right hander. Uh, great experience. Um, and if you're in England, it's probably a great experience, a really <laughs> good experience because. 
you know, especially in the middle of winter. Um, and I was just wondering what your, I know the bottoms are contoured, but yeah. what, what, what's the force behind it? So the, so there's a couple of different ways that people are using to push the water. So you can, you can use like hydraulic force, which is, uh, uh, where you, um, use fluids to move something to then push the water out. You can use pneumatic force, which is using air to compress air into a space and then that pushes the water out. Or you can use electromechanical, which is what we use. And so the electromechanical, uh, the way I describe it to people, if, if everyone's sort of familiar with what that wave garden cove looks like in Melbourne, it's kind of like a, a baseball diamond shape. So, you know, where the catcher would be in baseball, that's the start of the wave generator. It's like this big pier structure goes up through the middle. And within that pier structure, uh, in Melbourne, there's 46 modules. And those modules uh, have an electric motor connected to a gearbox. And that gearbox is connected to a rack and pinion system. And that rack and pinion is affixed to a carriage. And that carriage runs to the left and the right inside that pier structure. And then hanging off that little carriage is a big, dumb, rectangular box. So three and a half meter tall by half a meter thick by about a meter and a half wide, I think. And those, those big dumb rectangular boxes is what pushes the water left and right. So if you imagine dominoes lined up, so rather than being like lined up back to back, put them kind of edge to edge in your mind. And that's, that's the orientation of all of those big dumb boxes in the water. So if we want to create a wave on the, on the right, so the right hand braking wave, what you do is you just get all of those boxes and then you just push them in sequence out to, the, to that right hand side. It's almost like your arm in the water. You know, if you put your arm in the water and you kind of sweep it like that with your hand at the end, yep. you do, and depending if your elbow moves faster or your hand moves faster, you change the peel angle of the of the water going into the lagoon, which then creates a different type of wave. Wow. Sick. Mate, yeah. pretty much uh, just sounds like a 186 Kingswood there, rack and pinion. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's you know, bit of God, it's come a long way from where, where what I rode. It was, uh, you know, just a plough through the middle of the middle of a square pool, basically. Yeah, that's it. Well, like and, you got, uh, like it's, um, you, you've got one kind of degree of freedom with those ones, with the wave falls, because you can either accelerate or slow down the foil. That's it. Um, and the bottom profile is the same. For the new modular systems, you can change the, well, at least for the cove, you can change the stroke length of the, each of these pistons. You can change the stroke speed, but you can also then change the sequencing of all of them and how they work together. And then that's the way that unlocks it to create uh, different types of waves, different shapes of waves. Yeah, this is just technology in the mm. last 10 years, it yep. really. It's just come so far. Oh, mate, it has. It has. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty remarkable. Like, you know, technology has curves as well, like, you, like that sort of J-curve where, well, I think they call it an S-curve. Where you go, you start at the bottom, and everyone sort of struggles a bit, and then you have this rapid acceleration, and it sort of levels off. I think we're probably at that point where it's kind of starting to level off. I'm not sure there's going to be a ton more breakthroughs in technology in the surf park space. Yeah. And now it's going to be refinement. You know, can you can you build it cheaper? Can you operate it more efficiently? Can you design and build these things much more environmentally sustainably? You know, can you improve the experience? Maybe not technically, but through the you know the guest experience within the park and how you're coaching and training and you know using these things to their best advantage, mate. The million dollar question that you probably just get sick of answering, but how big are the waves going to be? Are they going to be bigger than any other park? Because a lot of the time in the you know in the hype and the media, it's like mate, you know it's going to be bigger and like uh, Dubai, you know yeah. the new Slater pool. Oh, it's going to be bigger and that, but it's not bigger. It's the same. Like yeah, in 
legit surfers' terms, how mm. big will the, are you expecting the waves to be in the Perth Wave Park? Yeah, for sure. So the Perth one slightly different to Melbourne in that we'll have 56 modules for the wave generator rather than 46 they got in Melbourne. Yep. So what that gives us the opportunity to have longer waves, like longer barrel sections, and having more modules gives you more freedom to kind of create and hold the wave and, and manipulate it better. So overall, we'll, I think we'll have better quality waves perhaps than what we are able to do in Melbourne at the moment. Um, in terms of wave height, um, it'll probably it'll probably be just a touch bigger than than Melbourne. I wouldn't want to claim it to be much more than that. So you know, two to two, just over two meters uh, face height. I saw it. So you know, you're talking three to three foot, three three foot sort of. Yeah, because yeah. it's sort of what yeah, two to three foot at the wave pool in Melbourne from yeah. what I've seen mostly. More, Do you know what? Two foot. I mean, you you guys always bang on about how much of a small wave Dave I am. But I, I was actually quite um, surprised at, um, you know, not necessarily the wave height, but a couple of times, you know, when you, I sort of nosedived a couple of waves and went down and then the wave coming towards me, I was sort of surprised at the size of the whitewash. I was so, Yeah, right. You know, I wasn't scared or anything, I promise. <laughs> did, I promise. You, did you get food poisoning? I got food. Well, yeah, I got food poisoning. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I was actually surprised at the at the, the yeah. height of the whitewater. It they was, always look bigger when you're laying in front of it after a wipeout, don't they, as it's coming towards you, I've found. Well, probably, yeah, you, yeah. you're right there. But no, so a bit of heat on it, and that's in the Melbourne one, in the in the yeah, whitewater. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, I was surprised. Yeah. Like I, you know, didn't have the wipeout of my life or anything, but no, I was but certainly... It was more than you thought. Certainly got... Yeah, pushed around a little bit, a little bit of turbulence there, and um, yeah, yeah, it was surprised me. I went, oh fuck, I've just got worked a little bit there. Yeah, but um, yeah, they have the the biggest wave um, that they do in Melbourne, uh, just in public sessions, is called the T six setting uh, in the advanced waves uh, session, and that's that's sort of like about two meters, um, and it sort of takes off a little deeper back in the back of the pool. You can push more volume of water into the peak of the wave as it's breaking. Um, and, and that's sort of like the biggest one. It's interesting when you run the beast, uh, which is the slabby barrel setting, the wave is, uh, the wave is actually uh, lower than the, the big turn setting. Because if you imagine it like a slabby barrel kind of like, uh, it kind of forms and breaks, but it throws forward. It surges more. Yeah. Surges more and throws forward. And so then the, the relative height of it is actually a little lower than yep. the, the big turns wave. Because I'm not very good at squatting in small barrels and I'm scared of big barrels. So I just need that perfect 3.9 meter, 3.9 foot barrel. That's it. 3.9 to 4.3 foot is what I need. Any bigger I'm scared, any smaller I can't fit. I think so. I told you about this too. When I surfed the advanced um, session and the first half an hour of it, I was going, oh, these um, takeoffs are quite steep. I was actually lucky because there was only five of us in the session. It was at two o'clock on a Tuesday or something. And, um, yeah, I was going, oh, shit, this is quite steep on these. And then I said to one of the guys who was uh, there, a Melbourne chap, I said, mate, I'm a little bit worried. I, I've made, I've missed a couple of drops here. A bit worried about when they turn the barrels on. He said, no, no, it's fine. It's more of a rolling when the barrels start. And I was also, I talked to you about the, the wave height of the um, Whitewood. I was surprised at the actual, um, how far the barrel setting actually throws out. It's quite, it's actually wider than you'd probably realise. You able to fit your six four frame in there because uh, you can't squat down that very low either. Yeah, it's probably even less than I could when I was in the um, wave pool a couple of years ago. But yeah, yeah. no, I managed to <laughs> squeak in, squeak in a couple. Yeah, yeah. cool. It's kind of like I'm, I'm not a 
great surf I'm right but I've had the benefit of having literally thousands of waves in Melbourne now so really? I have about four and a half thousand waves there oh, wow. just, four and a half. just a lazy four and a half I worked it out actually when we um, we first had the very first wave was like October 14 2019 or something and from there till when the pool had to close for COVID I reckon I had about four thousand waves but um and most of those were left-hand barrels. Uh, but I got the chance to surf with a ton of really amazing surfers, including Taj, who came across with uh, with Vance as well a few times, his old man. And um, and just out there surfing with Taj and him giving us a few little pointers and stuff. He's going, yeah, yeah, you know. When I'm in the barrel, what I do is you've got to get your front foot and point your toes a little more towards the nose because then that allows you to like slide your weight forward and back more easily to regulate where you are in the barrel to go – holy shit that like fuck man that's a, such a great advice so yeah i picked that up and and that's been really helpful but i think you know that sort of even though it's not the biggest waves in the world they are quite technical and yeah. they'll bloody hand your ass to you if you mm, if you yeah, get right. lipped by it and you can you hit the bottom like you like we get broken boards and noses knocked off and all have, that sort of stuff have you had many serious physical injuries to surfers there no nah, touch wood um, yep. it hasn't been you know too much I think if you if you compare the stats um, between surfing in the ocean versus surfing in a man-made environment it's it's demonstrably uh, safer okay and that's more to do I think as well with it being a relatively controlled environment you know where the waves are going to be you've got lifeguards everywhere yeah all that sort of stuff but you know people have have suffered some injuries there for sure a few broken bones yeah if broken bones I think um, like uh, people like land on their boards or get fin cuts and stuff yep, like yep. that you know typical things that you'd see um, some you know there's been knees done and things like that so many knees done <laughs> these are just getting done in every lineup around the world on a daily basis aren't they incredible so I, you did mention from your first wave to when you got uh, when you when the uh, wave park got COVID and it yeah. closed down tell us about the experience of the first wave that ever came through Mate, it was it was a pretty surreal experience like you know the end of a at that point had been like an eight year journey to try and get a, a surf park up and we had this little moment where we were uh, partway through the commissioning phase, uh, which means that we had the wave garden guys on site and they were tuning the wave. And, you know, we're sort of running waves all day, every day, just trying to work out different shapes and things. And we had a moment where I was able to invite um, family, friends, you know, all the team that had been responsible for developing it. And we, we, there was a ton of pros um, sort of around at the time for some reason. I don't know why. And um, we had uh, – in fact, we had um, Tyler Wright was just coming back from her illness – and it was, I think it was like the first surf that she'd ever had actually back. Really? She was there at the pool with us. So anyway, the, um, so we had, you know, a few little speeches, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the point there and I had to then go paddle out. And so I literally had like, I, who was it? We had T Taj and Chalk and Tyler and who else do we have there? We had, um, uh, anyway, a bunch of other pros Imagine no, no pressure then. It's about to say no, no, no like, pressure of making that drop and oh, be mate. hectic. So I paddled, I paddled out onto the left, uh, Andy's left. Are you a goofy? Yeah, goofy. Okay. And the wave garden guys <laughs> yeah, are standing. The <laughs> yeah, the goofies. Uh, wave garden guys are standing up on the wall, and so I paddled out and I said, like, well, where do I sit? Yeah, like because yeah, no one's actually up? ridden a wave. You're the <laughs> boss, mate. You tell us. <laughs> so the, the Spanish guys say, Andrew, Andrew, you you have to sit here, sit here. And so I, I paddled into the thing, and they said, right, now we're going to launch a wave, and here it comes. So I hear the machine start to whir oh, holy crap. and this, this swell like looms behind me 
and I am so far inside. Oh, really? And the thing just comes up, and, and I turn to try and paddle, and it just fucking breaks on my head <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and obliterates me. <laughs> I, I come up I come up with water streaming out of everywhere. Oh, Got all the pros on the shore. Everyone would just be cheering, wouldn't they? And then I look, up, I look up at the Spanish guys up on the wall, and they go, Andrew, Andrew, no, not there, here. And they point like about another two meters back up in the pool. Two I went, meters. And I went, oh, fuck. And so I, I paddled back to that point and they launched another wave. And yeah, I was able to pick that one up, a couple of slashes and kicked out and fucking praise God that uh, the thing actually worked. Yeah, right. Deep, yeah. One crazy. thing you probably would know, a lot of people who haven't surfed the um, wave pool wouldn't know, obviously, is that they've got markers on the walls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So different... Wave settings, there's different markers for oh, where yeah. you need to sit. Okay. You've got like diamonds and uh-huh. um, squares and whatever else it is. So even more reason not to fuck it up. Yeah, but exactly. Andy managed. Uh, well, no, mate. Well, no, was that, that was, so they didn't have the markers then, nah, did they? There was, there was yeah. no markers at that point. <laughs> didn't but think I so. Did, I found out um, a little while later, I can't remember where I found it out, but um, when Kelly wrote his first wave, remember that beautiful footage that oh, he launched man, back in? How can we forget? Uh, stealing Souza's thunder. Stealing into Souza's thunder. Did you steal anyone's title? thunder by doing your mate, first mate, mate? My <laughs> surfing would steal no one's thunder ever. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, yeah, he, uh, he apparently fell on his very first wave as did well. He? Yeah, oh, he admitted he it. didn't release he it. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm in good company then. So that, wow. so that was good. Yeah, that's cool. He's just won the late, lazy 11 world titles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what happened after that? Um, so you got the first wave there. Did everybody just sort of jump into the pool? Yeah, yeah. So I invited a, a good mate of mine, Adam Lamont Carts, uh, to uh, jump out with me on the right. So I surfed first on the left, and then he and I uh, shared a wave on the on the right. And uh, then it was on for the team. So Benny and and uh, Roop and uh, Krista Kuiper, who was our uh, facilities manager, all the all the core team jumped out and started catching waves. And then after that, we let all the pros in the water. So uh, I know Krista Kuiper. Yeah, I didn't realise he was involved there. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So Benny, how was your first wave? Did you how'd you go? Oh, sorry, he hasn't got a microphone. Yeah, it probably wasn't even as good as Andrew's, to be honest. I had to watch Taj to really kind of understand how the thing worked and where to be and there's a lot of water it's very it's a learned wave you know once you're on it it feels very natural but it kind of comes out very quickly and you're kind of close to a wall it's daunting you're between a cage but it it was such an incredible experience like you know my surfing you know probably got as good as it was when I was 21 after like you know testing that wave pull through those um first few weeks we were literally trying to break the machine yeah absolutely and it was like it was just like we we're kids in a candy store yeah i just listening to ben like i have to apologize to everyone i went to a 50th last night so i got the barry white voice on ben's got beautiful dulcet tones <laughs> he does i was just but, thinking yeah, you, know, was, you, every, you don't even have my headphones on you want to hear it coming through here mate, mate he's got, made for this business <laughs> bloody cro- croaky voice so i apologize to everyone um too many aussie rock tunes and yelled out at, at volume last night yeah classic but, um yeah, like that's been said, like the the um, the benefit, particularly if you're sort of slightly older surfers like us, um, the that concentration that you can get of having that repeat surface where you can yep. just wave after wave after wave practice particular maneuvers. You know, that first that first um, period, the first three months before we opened, I think I worked out that I had a, the same amount of waves in that sort of maybe three to six month period that I would normally catch in 12 years. Yeah, because when you were telling me about that four and a half thousand, yeah. I was just thinking, the first thing that popped in my head was the amount of times I go out to Yale's main break on a half decent day and I get like three waves in two hours because you just get yeah. washed around and 
this and that, and you just think far out, four and a half thousand. That's a lot, man. Yeah. And then you look at the Gold Coast, eh, Billy? You wonder why they're all so good. It's pretty obvious because they catch one wave and they get to do 20 turns. They get to and, do 20 turns and, and then they get to do a run along the beach. Yeah, back. that's it. They're all fitness. Yeah, and whereas our waves over here, you you know, you're lucky to get one turn in before you get walloped by something. That's if you make the drop to start with. Yeah, yeah if, it's a good, if it's a good size, uh, we're, um, yeah, 10 waves is a good session. Yeah, it is, eh? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, that's it. And like, I think if you like, you you surf the lagoon enough, you realise you actually don't get sore shoulders from surfing a lot. You actually get sore legs. Yeah, right. That's but, when you know it, you're getting some surfing yeah, done. That's eh? it. So I've you, had that once or twice yeah, in like you, Mexico you've and got stuff. To walk back. Well, no, there's, no, Bill. It's not because it's that. Not, ma- it's oh, what it you. It comes between the other end. No, no. It's because like in that 55 minute session, you're yeah. getting like somewhere between maybe 13 and 15 waves. Yep. And the length of rides maybe 100 ish, 120 meters. Yep. It's pretty long. So you've got. You got about 1.5 kilometers of standing on your board within 55 minutes, and yeah, right. the length of ride at about 12 to maybe 14 or 15 second long ride, um, you're just full, uh, you know, putting full effort into it the whole way. Yep. And then you you have that sort of relax as you get sort of swept back out the back in the rip that takes you out to the to the lineup again. You have a minute or two rest, and then you do it again. Yep. You know, so it's like you yeah, just that's doing a, that's a busy effort. session. Imagine going out to Margie's main, Billy, and getting. 15 waves in 55 minutes I that can, are you I know. can just think of the rip just dragging you backwards you know <laughs> it's like paddling against it all yeah. the time so yeah and I suppose the rip's going the right way so that's a good thing that's yeah. it it's yeah. your shoulders circular circular rip thing that drags you back into the into the zone that's so. it it's it right no, it's the kind of the setup at least for the cove is such, is such that you've got rights and lefts breaking uh, down the lagoon and um, the the broken white water that sweeps through into the shoreline area it kind of comes back around the the middle part of the lagoon and it's a lot deeper there and so as it gets through there it sort of slows the velocity of it because of the depth of the water yeah. creates a, the rip so if you like a beach break like if you're down at Brown up or something like that yeah. you get a little rip running through the middle and it kind of rips you out the back between the two peaks yeah. it's the same sort of idea within the lagoon classic that's yeah. awesome tell you what, summer's upon us and the cheeky monkey beers are going down beautifully. What do you boys reckon? Mate, I'm uh, on the hard ginger beer right now. It's a ripper. Gotta love a bit of ginger beer in summer for those hot afternoons and they're stiff. They taste real good. You can get 10% off if you go into VAS in the industrial area. Tell them Barrel Surf Podcast sent you and you'll get 10% off takeaway sales. Get it in you. Yeah, cheeky monkey. G'day everybody, it's Bugs here and you're listening to Barrel Surf Podcast. I like to drink Forrester wines. They taste fucking good. They're made on Wildwood Road. It's one of the best places in the world, southwest of Western Australia. And if you go online, type in Barrel to the coupon in the sales department, you get 25% off. It is a really good deal. Type in Barrel and save yourself some hell money. Get some hell wine. Going these days, Hatsy. What about you, T Bone? Oh, T Bones, mate. He's in that good a nick. He just doesn't even need to go to the physio. He's an absolute weapon. But for the rest of us, down south physio, go see Trev. He's an absolute surfing specialist. He's been doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things in the world of surfing, traveling all around the globe because everyone knows you can't froth harder than a Trevor Frothens Brown at down south physio. He's on the wazzle. He's on the tools at back at Dunsborough. So get down to down south physio. 
I don't know about you guys, but I've been absolutely stoked with my Shark Eyes wetsuit. Best but in the business. Yeah, they're pretty sick, so comfy, and they're bringing out a new range. Uh, it's a more affordable range. I believe it's going to be direct-to-consumer online. It's called the Mongrel Range. Oh, the Mongrel. Yeah, which could be good in summer when you just want to really cover up from the sun a bit and not be too hot. So check out Shark Eyes wetsuits. They're killer. Yeah, and uh, mate, when are you when are you going to break ground, or has it already been broken? No, nah, we've been sort of uh, managing a, an approvals process um, with state government over the last. I reckon it's probably two years now that we've been going. So it's, it feels got, like it's been longer. There was that one like right in the city. Where yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. On so the that, river or something. Novel. Yeah. So we worked on that. That was for, like for a while, five or six years ago. It wasn't residents. Yeah, there was. We had um, a whole bunch of uh, wealthy people that didn't want to really share that part of the world with anyone else. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was unfortunate, that one. But, yeah, this project, we um, we kind of were awarded the site in 2021, I think. It was like early 21. And um, we've just been sort of running for the last sort of two years through a – Oh, there we go. We've been running through an Enviro uh, process just to make sure that we're doing all the right thing and, you know, everything's kosher. And we, we'll come out of that, I think, in the next couple of weeks. So, and that sort of unlocks us to then start moving forward with construction. So to answer your question, uh, we've got some money to raise. Um, we've got some interesting people that are, are supporting the project. Um, but um, I'm hoping by about third quarter of this year, we should start pushing dirt. Billy will donate a restored single fin to the cause, I'm sure. He's got some good ones. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. He's only got about 400 in his shed, yeah. I think. <laughs> Mate, um, you seem to know a lot of facts and figures how many jobs do you reckon the construction of it will create? And then how many jobs will it create uh, once it's operational? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's one of the real benefits of these kind of big facilities is that sort of economic contribution it makes. So um, through construction, I think direct and indirect jobs is about 300. Yep. Um, and then in long-term operational, uh, we have about, uh, including all the F&B and the wellness and the events and the retail store and everything else, there's probably about 90-ish positions yep. um, throughout the park. Uh, and that means, you know, and a lot of the roles are kind of casual roles if you're a lifeguarding or surf coaching or yep. guiding and stuff like that. If so you're young and fit with blonde hair and a six-pack, you can just hang out and be a surf coach. And, geez, that would be a horrible occupation <laughs> over summer in Perth, wouldn't it? I think what Adzi is actually asking is um, <laughs> where, Can I wear where, a do, where do we fit in? <laughs> we need wigs and we need to hit that. F and B is that the fitness and oh that's the food and bev place. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've been hitting we that can't plenty. Be fed, food and beverage, mate. <laughs> no, I thought it was fitness and something, and I was like, so we could get our abs back. But <laughs> no, no doubt, I accidentally steered towards the food and beverage by nature. You ain't never getting your abs back, mate. <laughs> uh, well, actually, like it's a it's a funny thing, but um, some of the staff that we were that we had, like I'm not, I'm I founded Urban Surf and ran it and launched Melbourne, but I'm not with them anymore, obviously. But I'm still shareholder in the company. But at Urban Surf, some of the best staff in the in the pool are some of the older blokes and, and ladies who uh, who have deep sort of Victorian surf coast experience, and they kind of bring that maturity to the pool. And so you you do have all the the young younger kids who are like uni students and staff who love it and tons of energy and all that. But there's a really good mix of older crew there as well. It provides a really nice balance, I think, in the in the park. Yeah, sick. Well, if you ever need any. Uh, any hands on deck when it comes to competitions in uh, up there, mate? Billy Gibson, you've done four and a half thousand waves at the pool. I reckon he's done four and a half thousand comps in his life, <laughs> whether it be organising them or judging them or being in them. Or so, mate. Billy G's, uh, Billy G's on hand to help, aren't you, Billy? 
<laughs> Excellent, mate. We'll come and call on you. We've got a got a really good relationship with the Surfing WA boys now as well. So we're going to be doing a lot of good stuff uh, with them uh, through a kind of collaboration agreement we've struck. So it's good. Hey, Andy, run through with the listeners the type of perfect event you might have under the lights one night in front of a captured audience. Oh. What would that might look like? Mate, it's uh, we've been dreaming about this sort of stuff for a long time. Like... Um, people might have tuned into the QS 3000 that was in Melbourne last weekend. I think Binzi commentated part of it. But, he's um, not called Binzi anymore. He's called Strider. He's called <laughs> after uh, doing in water interviews Did with surface. <laughs> well, that's that's what he says. He said I'm now called Strider. So yes, Strider Bins. Strider Bins. Yeah, I, I saw him almost get cleaned up on the inside there as he's trying <laughs> to conduct an interview. Uh, but um, yeah, like the, the Wazzle have done an okay job, like with those comps. But you know. They're a little conservative, I think, in terms of what you can do in these sort of man-made environments. Um, so, you know, the fact that you can produce waves under lights um, is pretty amazing. And the, the fact that you can just dial waves up and down um, at your pleasure and you've got lefts and rights and different types, um, it does provide an opportunity to do really interesting comps. And so we, you know, for from an amateur league kind of perspective, we're thinking, you know, uh, people do indoor cricket or, you know, mixed netball or stuff like that. We could do that as teams. So, like, the five of us could all be in one team on a Tuesday night. Don't put me and Namu in a team together. It's happened before and it, and Ben. <laughs> it doesn't work out well for us, did it, boys? <laughs> we need Mate, some... I saw you got tubed at Mousetraps. <laughs> Baby box. Yeah, Baby yeah. box. Mate, um, it's funny you say that because you, you listen to um, the guys from Lip Podcast, who I'm sure you know well because they've got a lot to do with that comp and that pool and stuff. Yep. And they're always banging on about how their favourite comps in the world these days is that ABB board riders battle and how the teams event just gives it this whole unique uh, experience and mm. just gets that froth. So yeah. mate, I reckon there's something in teams event. I reckon they should have a, a teams event at the Olympics as well. They probably just don't have the time to run it all, but be sick to see like Australia as a team of yeah. three or four, you know, go against each other. And like, I mean, all the other sports do. They have teams and individual yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that'd be cool. Yeah, teams events sound like they're fun. Teams are great. And you got you don't um, have to, uh, you know, all the all the comps that happen nowadays are all based on gender and, and age, you know, and that's how you distinguish between the different categories. Whereas for these sorts of teams events in the pool, you know, you could have fathers and daughters or sons, you know, provide you're all at a similar sort of a level, yep. um, all in the same team, you know, competing with each other against other teams. And, you know, you can, you can whip through like, you know, five or six rounds within probably an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty good. From that you were saying the, um, the turnaround time with the heats last week at the pool was just unbelievable because, yeah. you know, waves at, uh, waves when you need them. I, um, Adzi and I both did the Twin Fin Tango with the Yelling Up Board Riders last week, and that's a teams event, mm. teams of two. Uh, I would like to shout out Sammy Morrison for carrying me all the way to the semifinals last week. <laughs> yeah, Sammy. Our first heat, I didn't even, didn't even get a scoring wave, so there you go. Gives you an indication of uh, who the better surfer in our team was on that day. So, yeah, I mean, the, the teams thing just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah, does. I, I'd love to see teams in, in that same um, thing you know, chuck a twenty in there, chuck a single fin in there, chuck a thruster oh, in there, and, there you go. and then you've got you got six guys straight up, and you know, um, yeah, yeah, and you've got guys riding from different eras, so you're going to pick pick people from a different era to ride the boards. The eighties will come up with the twenties, and the seventies will come up with the single fins, and and uh, and the young people will just go for the 
good for us, you know, so. Yeah, mate, it makes yeah. so much sense. Like, we'll call that the Gibson Classic, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that, like, we had the, the very first comp that we ever had in the pool, I think it was just after we did First Waves, and we had a ton of uh, uh, good surfers there, Connor O'Leary, uh, we had, who else do we have there? There was a bunch of um, CTs and QS um, pros, and we I came up with this idea where we'd just run like a skins event, and so we put three or four surfers on the left, three or four surfers on the right. I went down the ATM and pulled out a thousand bucks and came back to the pool and said, right, um, everyone gets the opportunity to, I think it was to surf four waves. Um, and so we, we ran four waves on each side and we did three heat, uh, like three heats of four waves, uh, three sets of four waves. And we had about 60 of us maybe standing on the point, just watching. And so it, it was based on crowd reaction as to who got the best wave in that sort of exchange on both sides and then we you know we did that sort of three times so all got done in about 35 minutes or something and um i think it was connor actually dropped in faded did a bit of a check turn smashed one off the top pulled into the barrel and then punted a massive 360 air off the end section landed it and just was just was the best wave uh, i think we even had taj out there or something but um and uh, so he won it, like, just based on crowd reaction. So it was mint. So I gave him the thou. But he'd already agreed with Chalk, uh, Mark Matthews, and him and someone else to divvy the money up amongst themselves, depending on who won, little <laughs> bastards. So it was... Over uh, the bar. Yeah, that's it. So um, I think Connor took home 500, and he split up the other two, 50 each with the other guys. So. Andy, what do you reckon an expression session would look like? What's the aerial wave going to be like in Perth? And imagine in front of a captured live audience with the band. You've got a venue there for 5,000 people with top quality food and beverage. So what... Mm. What an express, yeah. What kind of expression session? What's this aerial wave going to be like? Yeah, I think that, like that's that's probably at the forefront of where the man-made lagoons are heading is is creating waves that allow for the aerialists to really perform. And I think um, yeah, we've been seeing some good stuff from the AWM guys. That's American Wave Machines. Uh, they've got um, a couple of pools around the world. Is that the Palm Springs one that's just opened? Uh, no, Palm Springs is a different tech okay. uh, again. Um, that. That pool uh, closed 12 days after it opened, unfortunately, yeah, from some that. mechanical problems. Still not up and running again? No. They're, oh, no. They're still a little uh, unsure, I think, as to when that's right. going to reopen. Okay. But, um, yeah, getting the getting the aerial waves going has been a, a real um, focus of, like, the Wave Garden guys. And so I think now, you know, they were, they were tuning them with um, uh, a bunch of uh, really great aerial surfers in Melbourne recently. And... Um, uh, they they were then providing feedback to Wave Garden live from the pool, saying, "Yeah, that that was good, but I want that section to come at me like about a half a second quicker." Right. And so you're just feeding that back over the phone back Dial to Wave Garden. Yep. Wave Garden changing the setting in Spain, <laughs> and then literally like within 30 seconds, the next wave's coming out again with that section coming at you half a second earlier. I was there watching it. It was at midnight. It was a secret session watching Reef yeah. Hazelwood do yeah. these crazy corkscrew. He was projecting himself so far out into the flats that it hurt my knees just even looking <laughs> at it, but it was spectacular. Honestly, some of the most progressive surfing I've ever seen, and just so happened to be in a man-made kind of pool it was pretty cool yeah so that that's like really at the forefront I, I think you know that spectacle side of it for like people can get that like when you literally you can stand on the side of the wall you know it's from um been to melbourne already but you can almost like high five people as they yeah. take off on the other uh, takeoff and you're yep. like really close to seeing guys punting these big airs right in front of you so um it's going to open it up i think for general public to kind of understand you know the that sort of level of surfing that you can do as well 
One thing I also wanted to ask you about was I have heard, I think that might have actually been listening lit with James Miles, who's the host of Lipton also. He's marketing events or something over at the over Wave Pool. Yep. Good old Jimmy. Good old Jimmy. Probably, I don't think he listens to Barrel, but anyway, I th- he was <laughs> he saying. Should. Might be able to learn something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He was saying that the progression in the Victorian surfing has been pretty impressive based on the fact that they've got that, you know, repetition of waves and just being able to surf wave after wave after wave rather than competing in the ocean. You know, slightly different scenarios, obviously, with yeah. with natural waves and man-made waves. But looking forward, I, you know, 2026 onwards, I think it's going to be a really good thing for Western Australian surfing and, and the progression of the, especially the juniors moving yeah. forward. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, Robo Adam Robertson's the CEO at Surfing Vic, and he's he's a he's a pal, and he was he was kind of a bit sort of negative and sort of a bit you know holding back when we first met years and years ago, and we were trying to get working with Surfing Vic. And he is a massive advocate and, and just completely converted to the benefits of surf parks now, particularly for junior coaching and training. He, he was saying to me that they, they bring all of their juniors up from the surf coast uh, uh, a few times a year and they sort of take over the pool for a day. And they, uh, they, he reckons that in a few hours in the pool, they get more progression out of their kids than they do for like uh, a couple of months in the ocean. So it's just that consistency that level thing, of, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's like um, it's like anything. If you can, it, you said before, you can you can be repetitious with your turns and nail that turn. That's and it. this is the same with the aerial game: is that if you know what the wave's going to do, then um, you're going to progress into a better manoeuvre. Yeah, that's as it. you as you go along, you know. And people try to do these manoeuvres, but in the ocean. The next wave comes in. It's not as big, or it's it's just not the same shape, or, and that trying to copy that manoeuvre that they just pulled is really hard. You know, yeah, so that's it. I think for juniors, they've got a learning thing in their head that just goes click. Oh, that's how you do it. You know, and yeah. and if you can give them repetition, uh, they'll nail it in ways that we can't even imagine at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. They're just such sponges, aren't they? Just uh, But the, the interesting thing as well is you've got the coach standing on the wall right next to them and they're, they're observing exactly what's happening and they can give instantaneous feedback to the surfer as they're paddling back out into the lineup. And so, the, so it's not like the surfers are out there for half an hour, catch half a dozen waves, come in, get some feedback from the coach and then go out again. It's all live. Like I remember Robbo was standing on the wall uh, – um, I was surfing. Oh fuck! One of these days where it had like there was Taj, me, Parco, Sally Fitz, um, uh, Josh Kerr, all like lined up surfing the left with me, and Robbo's on the side of the wall going, "Andy, Andy, your next one with the bottom turn. Don't think this." And he had his hands up, showing a small circle. He said, "Think this," and he moved his hands out to create a big circle. And so I go, "Oh yeah, okay, right. Okay, I've got to think about that." And then right, literally had had all these bloody pros then watching my next wave to see whether I was actually <laughs> going to do what Robbo said. But that that sort of level of feedback that you can get instantaneously as well, I think is another really key advantage of, so, of the pool. So Andy, firsthand, I've seen like the quality of surfing in CBD Melbourne go through the roof. There's six to eight year olds standing, getting tubes that look like they're in chopes. Now, here's a proposition for you. Will we see the Coburn Board Riders Club compete 
in a serious level of competition with the Margies and yelling up guys in state state titles. What do you think? In, um, within three years of opening. Well, it's Coburn it's board a, riding club, I think there's already yeah. a CBC, isn't that? I clean think here? their uh, central break is Coogee, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a member of the Cop board, board of Riders Club. Shout out to CBC there. But um, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, yeah, I reckon like it's it's really interesting. Another like another really interesting story I heard, and like this might be um, a bit of an urban myth or something, but uh, I was talking to a dude, and he said he was chatting to some QS guys who are up in Indo surfing up in the Mens. Was it Bo? Yeah, and um, he said that there was some like lone dude just surfing uh, this big sort of macking left barrel, and the dude was pulling in, getting shacked, and surfing really well. It was Macers, was it? Macaronis, there you go. I half know the story. and um, But then he was like not lining himself up well for the takeoff properly on some of them. Right. And then he started talking to these QS guys. And it turns out that it was the second time he'd ever surfed in the ocean. What? And he'd only started surfing 18 months before at Urban. Wow. And he was a goofy surfing left barrels and stuff. And that's how he'd learned to barrel ride. He's out at Macaronis. No way. Pulling into six foot pits. It's the, the prodigy of uh, Ricky. What was that guy's name on North Shore, Billy? That famous movie? Rick Kane. Rick Kane. That's it. Remember? Man. You're Rick Kane. Yeah. Rick Kane. Don't and he ends up here. at Pipe Yeah. You get drilled. Yeah. yeah. When yeah, the wave breaks here, don't be yeah. there. Something like that. Um, wow. So that's actually happening. It's actually kind of happening. So that was like, I always thought that there might be something that, that happens. Like you can't- There was can't talk about it, but everyone was it. unanimous like, nah, it no. won't work because of, the, like you say, the lining up, the paddling, the judging of yeah. waves coming towards you. That's a whole, that that's like the first three years of your surfing life is trying to work that stuff out. That's but, exactly right. And that's like, we're, we're really focused on- you know, No, we're wrong. <laughs> no, well, yeah. Well, once people kind of get the basics in the pool- yeah. Then you want to kick them out because they've got to get then into the ocean to learn all that stuff. You know, yeah. all that proper surf knowledge in the ocean. Yeah, it's a it's 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 all about popularity for start mm. for starters, but then it's about improving. Yeah. So yeah. you know the popularity is going to send the person to the ocean. You know, looking mm. for a wave when you can't fit in at the wave park. Or well, yeah, well, I can... or uh, you know, he's down Bell's Way and he wants to ride. You know, winky or whatever, winky or something. You know, so yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like you know, for instance, in the pool, you can probably get by without ever having to duck dive. Really? Yeah, because you you surf waves long, kick out, and you sort of make your way into the rip to the channel and come out the back. Yeah, right. And you you don't have to duck dive to get out. That's not going to work. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> yeah. pretty problematic. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to work. So you know, we're getting me waves out at main break. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's an example. You know, that's out of you sometime. <laughs> you know, and it, it takes you a lifetime to learn how to duck yeah. dive properly. You know, right. you you still kind of keep improving that. And yeah, like you listen to the Florence brothers talking about what they do and what they've learned. You yeah, know, that oh, famous shit, video man. of him doing the length of pools and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm doing that, that with my big thick boards but mate yeah. there's still definitely a technique I'm running on those big boards and yeah. you know and every now and then you you let your guard down and, and yeah. you get flogged because of it you know That's it, it. just on a duck dive yeah well like even learning to you know look underwater so you can see you know the big clouds the of columns. where the turbulence is and yeah. the, like make your way through the clear water to get out get through the wave properly and that sort of stuff so yeah. all that sort of knowledge you know surfers need to learn and you can't get that really in a, in a pool environment. You can have people there that can be talking about it and alerting you to this is the stuff you need to learn. You can't physically learn it in the pool. So No, yeah. there's there's things that you can't physically learn even with time. I remember way back in Kansi's day and he'd in uh, come out of a tube and he'd pull through the back of a closeout and um, he'd be paddling just 
normally, you know, and the thing is just closed out on top of him, but he had this little way of pulling through the back of a wave and um, and you'd always aspire to try and yeah. drive your nose in far enough and dive at the same time to pull out the back of the wave, um, but you'd always wind up on your back yeah, <laughs> being yeah, pummeled. Yeah, over, yeah. <laughs> you know, but... Um, it's just something you couldn't learn no matter yeah, how you something tried. You, something you, you don't learn easily mm, and, yeah. and it is technique. And like you're saying about the Florence brothers, you know, they duck dive and wave breaks there in front of you. Mm. Um, that's a technique that a lot of people don't get, yeah. you know. They just don't get it. And and these guys are just watching every little movement underneath the water and being able to ride that movement out the back of the wave. And, mm. like, that's an art form, you know. It's Mate, not just surfing. It's, it's like an art form. Like, we're, we're all... Pretty much for the same sort of vintage. Billy, you've got a couple of years on us, but the uh, my 15-year-old, shout out to Lockie, he's um, really sort of coming on and he's surfing and, he, and he's just fascinated by all these how-to videos and stuff and there's so much oh, information. Yeah. Like he was sharing with me the other day about, you know, as you're saying, the wave breaks in front of you and it bounces off the reef and then creates that little vortex. Yeah. And so if you're actually paddling towards it and turn your board sideways to the wave, you can actually hide within that uh, low-pressure area. See, I've never... And then, and then the wave passes through you, <laughs> and then and then you you don't actually get munched. So, oh, mate, I'm going to try this next surf, and I bet you I just get my fucking head ripped off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm trying it. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I was trying. Like, have you ever done that, Billy? In your 70 years of duck diving, no, mate, I'm struggling to turn turtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I tried it out at uh, at decent sized lefties. You know, it was like pulling off the, the ledge out the back there, yeah, and got kind of caught inside. And I thought, oh, I'll just try that. Like the wave was literally just exploding just in front of me. Yeah, turn slightly sideways and duck dive down deep, and yeah, there's this, this kind of like this little calm spot where it bounces off the reef over the top of you, and and passes and wow. kind of releases you out the back. So, mate, I, know, I remember being I did a swell run to Nias years ago, mm. and there was this Hawaiian guy there. I don't know who he was, but he was mate, he was a charger, like a a native Hawaiian dude, mm. and it was pretty big and and pretty heavy. I was I was struggling a bit, and um. Mate, I was exactly that. I was watching him on some of these, I think, because I was caught inside and he was caught in, and there was a couple of these waves were landing the lip right in front of him, man. Like, And I was just like bailing and getting flogged and dragged, and he was just duck diving and popping out. And I was like, fuck, mate, that guy mm. is an incredible duck diver. And obviously his boards were lighter than mine. I ride pretty big boards, and that's a bit of a factor, but even still mm. – and I was, I was sort of real. It really stuck in my mind that, like, mate, that guy's duck diving stuff. That there's no way I was duck diving. Maybe he was doing the sideways turn. Didn't tell me. Maybe <laughs> could be it. <laughs> it's just, it's fascinating to me. Like you go all these years surfing and trying to learn, and you, you're just learning natively. You know, just from the experiences that you have, or maybe just chatting with mates and whatever. But this is kind of huge world of knowledge out there now, and it's all being passed around through YouTube videos and yep. all that sort of stuff that all the all the kids now kind of get the benefit of. I think if you yeah. want to really kind of consume a lot of information about how to become a better surfer, you got it there. So, mate, you're um, <clears throat> you've got a lot of knowledge on wave pools, and you're obviously a, a massive driving force behind this. Obviously, you're a surfer mm. at heart. Uh, Let's just get a bit of a background as as to who you are as a surfer. Get you a bit of street cred. A bit of street cred. Yeah, mate. Like, where did you start surfing? And mate, I, 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 uh, I, I feel like um, I feel like a little bit of imposter. You're Rick Kane. You're yeah, actually I'm a Rick little Kane. bit Rick Kane. <laughs> yeah. Love Rick Kane. Yeah, I love um, him, mate. legend. He uh, got like, the girl I, at the end, didn't he? 
Uh, he, he got the, no, he didn't get the girl. Did he? he? To, no, because he went back to art school or something, and she oh, stayed behind. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's a bit oh, sad. That is a bit anyway. sad. Um, oh, but, Vince. Yeah. Waves look good today, huh, Vince? Uh, is that Jerry? <laughs> not bad. Yeah, yeah, not bad. No one listens to Turtle. Um, <laughs> so I, I, uh, so I started surfing at eleven. Uh, I'm fifty two now, so I've been surfing forty odd years. Yep. Uh, it's been it's been the abiding passion whole life. Yep. Um, had a few periods there, you know, when I was living in Europe and stuff where I wasn't surfing as much or, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's it's been the thing that's sort of stuck with me through my whole life. Um, been coming down south. We've got a little cabin, Gracetown, just the caravan park. We've had that for 15 years. So we get down here as much as we can. So and you started in Perth? Yeah, yeah started in Perth. So, yeah, yeah. yeah started uh, surfing in uh, Desert Leighton and Cables um, and the Cot Reefs. Did the artificial reef have a big uh, bearing on your life choices? Mate, so here's a little story. Um, the artificial reef was being constructed. The reason it doesn't work, the reason it doesn't work, people maybe know this. Swell. Well, yeah, because you've got a swell shadow from Rotto and Garden Island, which is a yeah. stupid place to put it. Yeah. But secondly, they used the wrong tidal data. So actually the top of the reef is too low relative to where it should be. Yeah, right. So they've completely fucked it from oh, that Oh, tidal data. Yeah, tidal yeah, data. Tides. So they, yep, yep. they used... They used, yeah, no exactly. Way. So That's that was so rough. But um, I remember when it was getting. <laughs> it was early eighties though. Yeah, nah, yeah, early eighties. It does work. No, no, no. It, it does was, work. Uh, yeah. On a certain days, you would have surfed that ninety-five meter west okay. swell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was like early nineties. It got built ninety-two-ish. Yeah, and um, I, I used to live in Kite, and I'd be going to uni, and I'd drive past every single day and check it. Yeah, and there was a dude there who was documenting construction on a daily basis, just like filming for I don't know the government or some agency yeah anyway uh, it got built through the summertime and then we got this kind of like blowy kind of day where there's a little bit of swell yeah and there was actually waves starting to break over the reef and they took away the barge that was laying the rock you're about to tell me you got the first wave there as well mate <laughs> so, I can so get out of here <laughs> I, I, had, I had a board in the car and there was yeah. a long border starting to wax up. And I was, was talking to this. Probably Billy. Yeah, probably Billy. <laughs> and, there's, and it had, um, had this guy documenting. And I said, mate, you've been here every day. Has anyone ever surfed this? I said, nah, no. No one surfed it yet. What? So literally, there was a Kitty. paddle battle between me and the long border guy. We got out the back, the, like this big pylon sticking out of the <laughs> oh, fucking no reef from where it's been constructed. I turned and went and I caught the first wave. Did you? On my backside, surfing right. Mate, I salute you. Yeah, that's, thank you. Mate, cheers. cheers to thank you. you. Yeah, beers up, boys. Yeah, that's thank you. pretty impressive. Two first waves yeah, at yeah, uh, two, two pretty waves. auspicious man-made locations. Yeah. And then, um, and so, uh, and then the longboarder guy caught one after me. I had a couple and then, uh, and then paddled in and, and went on my way. Next day in the West Australian paper, Longboarder interviewed catching the very oh, first no. wave at the artificial <laughs> reef. Billy. And, so, <laughs> and that's why Andrew Ross decided to build a wave pool. He's like, I'm so he could be the way. first person to surf it. No Everybody way. Everybody get off. I'm that's the CEO. It. I'm going to do this. So I was so, I was so dark that I, I contacted the guys at um, <laughs> Surfing Life magazine and uh, told them the story and they published a story about it in the next monthly Did edition they? of it. Classic. Just to kind of correct the record. No way. And so, in at least in my family, the artificial reef, ARs, is referred to as Andrew Ross's uh, oh, wives. Oh, get out of here, mate. That's a hell story. So, like anyway. Oh, there you go. That, is that skin in the game or what? That's uh, more than I could hope Home for. Home break. 
Literally, I hadn't connected the two dots ads until you just said it. Like man-made reef wave, and then doing man-made waves with the pools. So that's that's a a bit of a legacy. That's a major connection there. Just on that, just on that. There's um, there's one coming up in Albany. Yeah. um, That the sound like they're going to get off the. Yeah, and, off, um, off the ground, Middleton Beach. It, yeah, Middleton, Middleton Beach. And yeah. I've always looked at Middleton and thought to myself, God, something just to unstraighten that beach, you know. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. uh, it's, it's got swell. Yeah. You know, so what, what are your thoughts on on well, those sorts well, let's, of things? Let's hope they use the right tide data uh, to start <laughs> with. Um, maybe they've learned. But, um, yeah, I reckon, like, that, that sort of stuff's going to be great. There's been a few examples of it around the world um, now, and I – can't think of one example where it's really worked that well. They they did it on the south side of the the spit there on the Gold Coast, um, as you uh, as you know, just north of SeaWorld. They put a whole bunch of sandbags in to kind of create um, a new reef, but like the ocean, you know, just moves in such mysterious and big and dramatic ways that it kind of works but doesn't. They've tried it in uh, New Zealand as well, complete failure. Um, they've tried like the artificial reef in Perth didn't really work at all. Um, there's so, the Bunbury one too, the airway. Yeah. Which yeah, I think popped in its first sort of, uh, half an hour. Yeah. First <laughs> half an hour. Like I, I had concerns about Shout that one as Troy well. Bodigal. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, the, the forces when, when we're creating waves in the pool, so we've got 56 modules, right? Yeah. And each, each one of those big pistons, when it moves to one side or the other, it displaces somewhere between three and four tons of water. And it's moving at eight meters per second. And they've got 56 of them doing that. So you've got like 150, 180 tons of water moving, you know, really rapidly. And the forces associated with that, it's really hard to withstand. So, you know, you have all these kind of rock style reefs and stuff, but they all kind of move around a bit and the ocean kind of gets at them. So it'd be great, I think, like absolutely, to create new reefs uh, all along the coast to create new breaks as best you possibly can without endangering you know, sand formations on the beach and it gets scouring and gouging and you've got to think about the environmental impacts and all uh, that sort uh, of stuff, but, you know. I'm just wondering if if your your sort of wave technology from the pools can be sort of uh, applied to some of these artificial reefs that, that are being built. Um, In terms of the because, bathymetry and stuff? Yeah, because um, there's places that have got swell and, and Bunbury's ideal, Albany's ideal, you know, there's a few places, even Geraldton, and yeah. there's a lot of little places, Mullaloo. Um, you wish that you could sort of use something to for the swell that that is already there mm. uh, and is evident. Mullaloo um, points, mate. Yeah, well, I'd love to make a nice right end point somewhere in Western Australia. <laughs> be good. I'll back What's you up with that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I reckon you're right. So. There's so many brilliant people working in this sort of surf park space doing this hydrodynamic modelling, um, how to create – they're, they're looking at how do you create the swells and therefore – and how it interacts with that bottom profile of bathymetry. So I'm, I'm sure that there's learnings there and, like, the technology is so good now for them to model it. Um, you know, there's lots of dynamic environments, uh, you know, and, and things to think about, factors to think about when you're in the ocean because you've got swell period and direction and winds and the tidal changes and stuff like that. So it's a little more complicated. But, yeah, I reckon there'd definitely be learnings you could take from it to create man-made reefs. Unreal. Well, I do know that you do have to head back to the city, Andrew. So we will wrap this one uh, – Andy. So we'll wrap this one up shortly. Um 
you were saying just quickly, you were saying about the events at uh, at the Wave Park with the night surfing. I think you and I could probably do a back-to-back DJ set by the sounds of it. Mate, Two DJ like Andrews it. here, <laughs> DJ Namu, Mate, DJ you Namu put, and DJ Moose. There can you, go. you put uh, <laughs> can you put LED lights on the bottom, or is that just uh, maybe yeah, some yeah. stick-on ones on it? Something Mate, get it was, full. Like laser show surf party thing going oh, on. Oh, sick! Stop it! <laughs> like it's it's uh, it's like it's not uh, not a, a, a weird question at all. Like Benno uh, looked into this for a long time for us. Where they they use these big heavy duty lights in the Bass Strait for big salmon farms oh, yeah. to illuminate them underwater. Yeah, right. And you need kind of these massive heavy duty lights to withstand all the forces of the water. But um, yeah, it's something that we're going to think about. Um, the Wave Garden guys uh, put a whole bunch of like coloured lights uh, under the water in their very first uh, lagoon, which was like one of those toad waveful ones. And they, they had this guy that uh, films uh, surfing at night in the dark where guys put lights on their boards or carry flares and stuff like that. He's this cinematographer dude. And he, they got him to film it and they submitted that to the London uh, Film Festival or something and won an award. So like, if people want to look that up, it sick. looks sick. Yeah, like, all right. this, like all these beautiful glowing lights under the wave illuminating the, the wave surface and then just people carving over the top of it. So good. Mate, what's the water temp going to be in the pool in Perth? There's no heating of any kind? No, nah, heating's a really, really interesting one. Um, we've got another project in Auckland uh, where we're building a surf park <laughs> community there. <laughs> but what we've done is we've done a deal with a data centre developer. And so data centres, um, you know, they store tons of data for Amazon and Google and all that shit. But those servers generate a shit ton of heat, so they got to kind of cool them. Yeah. So there's a ton of waste heat that comes out of them. Oh, We're yeah. capturing right that waste a radiator heat. radiator or something. Yeah, capturing, capturing that the 186 waste. Holden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, mate. Um, we, we've got a heat exchanger that we'll be incorporating into that build so that we can take all that waste heat, put it through our water treatment plant and heat the lagoon oh, in Auckland. So yeah. you'll have these sort of balmy temperature waters in Auckland. Well, in Perth, we won't need it. Like, yeah. you know, it's what you tend to find is... Um, Everyone pisses in the pool and just keeps it warm. <laughs> is that what you find? A little bit of that, a little bit of that. Um, but the, you know, the the pool, uh, even though it's a relatively big water body, you know, it's within a concrete shell in the earth. Yeah. And you got greater change in temperature in on the earth versus the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you find in the summertime, the water's warmer than the ocean. In the wintertime, it's a little bit colder than the ocean. Yeah. Yep. So you know, it might be. 16, 15, 16 degrees or something in the depths of winter. Yeah. Which right. is not, not too bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Because Melbourne gets quite cold, doesn't it? Yeah, Melbourne oh, it gets, gets freezing, freezing mate. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so cold. I've heard um, it's like four or five. Is that true? Oh, in no, no. It's, I think the coldest that's ever been recorded was maybe about eight and a half, nine. Oh, that's cold. Yeah, which is like that's booties and gloves and hoods oh, and stuff. Sure. Although I surfed to Get your ice bath and you're surfing at the same day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it charge them double. <laughs> I, was, I was there surfing in May. Last May um, had a 4.3 on booties and gloves but didn't have a hood. And paddled around with, oh, this is not too bad. And surfed my first wave, kicked out, fell face forward into the water. And like it was like I had ice cream headaches in my eyeballs. It was like, <laughs> it was like that blisteringly cold. Oh, but then but then, because you're so active and you're moving and you're kind of down behind the walls so that the wind doesn't get you. I think it's the wind that actually makes oh, you feel more cold. It's a big difference, water. yeah. Yeah. And it's actually not that bad, to be honest. That was like 10 degrees, I think. And are you facing it to the southwest? Yeah, well, in to fact, get predominant yeah, offshores. That's that's one of the key things we do, uh, like the orientation of the lagoon to predominant prevailing winds. Yeah, um, obviously, so. it'd be hooking for those that don't know. WA, well, probably 
70 percent of the years you know easterly in the morning southeast and then hook and southwest from 10 o'clock onwards all day all summer so yeah yeah surely he'd be thinking that's southeast it. for four months <laughs> yeah, that's <right. laughs> yeah that's it so yeah what way is it facing exactly yeah so it's facing south southeast and the reason oh, yeah, is nice. because where good. where coburn is uh so like just on the eastern side of the freeway you're a little out of the, the coastal wind environment, so yep. which is more southwest. Yep. And as you move a little further inland, it kind of tends to switch a bit more south, south, southeast. Yep, yep. So that's pretty much the predominant uh, wind the direction. And it'll yeah. handle easterly in the morning a bit Handle easterly. The devil wind will be like a nor'easterly, which, which uh, nor'east, or maybe a nor'westerly, which is a, it's a bit more rare up in Perth. Yeah, for sure. So, but it's not too bad. Like, even if, even if you, so... Wind wind affects waves in the ocean as a function of fetch. So it's the distance that if the if the winds travelled a long distance at a high speed, it's going to create chops on the face and fuck you up. Yeah. Um, we we're generating is that a technical term. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. <laughs> and uh, we we're generating waves like you know from meter billy away with something about six feet. So yep. the winds travel six feet across the water. Yeah. So it doesn't have time to create big ripples. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so it doesn't even in like howling winds, it doesn't really affect it as much as the ocean. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Um, like I said, we are going to wrap this one up shortly. I would like to um, ask: Is there anything else that you'd like to sort of tell the audience that you haven't sort of gone over before we wrap this one up, Andy? Mate. Um, no. Look, I, uh, just a shout out to everyone that supported us. I think, you know, on the journey today, we've had a ton of really good crew that have always um, remained positive and supportive of what we've been trying to do. So, you know, big shout out to them. We're um, we're starting to, uh, I think some people start hearing about us a little more just around the traps. We're out raising money uh, for the project. Uh, we've got a couple of interesting uh, products, um, one called First In, uh, which is an interesting um, investment well, No one's product. beaten you to that, are they? No, no. Seems no. like that's your go-to. That's <laughs> yeah. your MO. First, first In, like little asterisks after Andy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think everyone will start hearing about us. We've got, we got um, a ton of stuff that's going to come out in the media and like just lots of really good partnerships and things we're going to be announcing. Yeah, one cool. of the big things as well is we're trying to uh, make a really decent connection between down south and Perth. And so there's like down south vendors and suppliers and stuff like that. Billy's your man there into it. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Billy knows everyone. Everyone knows Billy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Mate, so. just uh, just before we wrap it up, a couple of questions just to uh, give our listeners uh, another view into your depth of surfing to uh, – just let them know that you're not another one of these WSL CEOs <laughs> who wants to call it off on 10-foot pumping waves. Mate, give us your uh, best wipeout story of all time best in the wipeout. ocean. Well, actually, if it's in the pool, then so be it. But Oh, mate, uh, in the ocean. Oh, jeez, there's been so many. Um, <laughs> I, remember as, I remember as a kid, like I was probably 13 or 14, got to surf Margie's main break for the first time. Oh, yeah, that'll and, work. Uh, and it was, it was way too big for my ability at the time. And I was out there shitting myself and caught one somehow just scrapped in so it was I don't know it's hard to tell they always look bigger when you're when you're younger oh, it might sure. have been I don't know four to six foot or something yeah and um foot. and uh kind of yeah probably two foot and then yeah. kicked out on the inside and then just a monster set just rolled through and uh, got pummeled by the first one and then as it popped up you know how sometimes it creates foam on the top of the surface yeah you got like six inches of foam sitting there yeah uh, i was running out of breath came up and went to breathe oh, and just no. sucked in all the foam yeah and then just got nailed by the next one as well and so i got held down again i thought oh fuck i'm dead and so <laughs> and 
that was that was pro- that's the one that sort of jumps to mind. Yeah, um, I did surf. Um, I did surf really big bells a few years back and got just wailed on one. Um, it was probably ten foot and I uh, just got held down. I was wearing one of these uh, this rip curl search watch thing. Yeah, and it records your you know your distances and speed yeah. and that sort of stuff. And um, I remember it was like. I had a maximum speed of 45 kilometers an hour going along one wave. Yeah. And then when I got I got nailed as I came into the Bell's Bowl, I was just in the wrong spot and it lipped over me and just yeah. obliterated me. I got dragged underwater 75 meters <laughs> according to epic. the watch. So that was that was What was your top one. speed on your wipeout? Oh, <laughs> you know? Probably faster than that. So, <laughs> That's sick. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a few, a few, you know, a few injuries. Uh, I remember falling off my board at Cable Station when I was a youngster and uh, it was, um, there's a little, pl- uh, the inside bit's called suicides and if you go uh, right it's fine if you go left it sort of sucks dry and there's this like evil limestone pock kind of reef yeah and I fell um, I kind of I sort of left wall up I'll swing back on that popped a little sort of flo- uh, little floater looked down it was like bare reef below me oh. fell on my ass I was wearing wetty shorts like those old cool oh. billabong ones <laughs> oh, yeah, with yeah. The, like the flames up the, the sides the shorts mate I, I land on my ass and uh, thought my guts were hanging out my ass <laughs> Tommy Carroll and I'd, I'd perforated my rectum oh I, that is Tommy oh, Carroll style literally did Tommy That's Carroll a, style yeah so I had to, I had to drive <clears throat> sorry I had to how drive how did that one not spring to mind first <laughs> <laughs> like the other one you just breathed mate, in a bit of water I've done that like 50 times I've never perforated my rectum mate, I, had to, I had to drive to a mate's place that's around the corner I had to drive like sitting on my side on like, oh, one butt cheek no. and I asked him to have a look at it and he said fuck that I'm not looking at it at all <laughs> just so, go to hospital Andy just go to hospital I had, I had to go and they said look we can put a couple of stitches in it but or just see how you go Oh. And uh, so I had to say, I, I said, no, no, just see how we go. So I whistle as I walk now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That's what we come here for. I know for. you got a it's, second question, Adzi. Yeah, yeah, well, let's, let's finish. Uh, you know, there's plenty that more that I'd like to ask you, but that was pretty good. And you do get it, get back to Perth. So let's finish on a positive note. Uh, best session ever. Oh, mate, that's that's a tough one. If you're wondering, that wasn't Andy's ass expelling there. The, uh, <laughs> the perforation. <laughs> mate. Um, I know, we, mate, every time I ask this question, like, there's probably 10, you know, that yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. But give us one of those from that pops in your mind that could have made the top 10 there because it's hard to settle mate, on one. The, the, the one that most recently pops to mind is um, we were down at uh, Gracetown for the school holidays in September. Uh, family went back a day early and I knew the swell was going to pick up a little bit and conditions looked good on this kind of Saturday morning. And so family took off and I did one of these things, you know, like I'm in my early fifties now, you, you don't get really much of a chance to kind of do a proper surf mission or at least I don't anymore. And so I got up real early, had like an umbrella, two boards, water, took my camera gear down and just, just like basically camped up at lefties. And uh, went and surfed for five and a half hours, had three Sick. sessions, yeah. had like different crew that I know that sort of were paddling in and out and just chatting with them. And waves were pumping and it was just so good. Conditions were great. And just, it just, um, it, it really re-energized me. So like from that period through to Christmas, I don't think I had another surf, yeah. but I was just living off that experience, you know, and just had such a good time. So that, that's, that's a recent epic session I had. That's, yeah, that's cool. And uh, for those that don't have kids in the family, they probably won't quite understand the, the joy <laughs> and freedom that you experienced uh, just by doing that simple thing, but it's real. It's like, it's like running naked down the beach, basically. So, <laughs> it's so good. And you're even uh, gracious, uh, you're even lucky enough that Billy and, 
Dave Mack were gracious enough to let you have a few <laughs> set waves, couple, obviously. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, oh, well, that's, that's epic. That is Andy Ross's best session that he's, he's had. He's got skin in the game. He's legit, he's got mate. got skin in the game. Yep. Uh, I would like to thank you for popping into the shed quarters. We are in the treetops, which is venue two for us these days. And it's been a pleasure having a chat with you, mate. And also Benny McCartney. McCart- sorry, McCarthy. Should know your name by now. I've known each other for a long time. And also our special, special guest, oh, Mr. Billy Gibson. Thanks for joining us today, Billy. And, uh, yeah, if you do have any questions on the surf park, how do we get in contact, Andy? Mate, um, you can send us a note via uh, the website. Um, uh, we've got a form. Uh, that's uh, aventur.com. I'll spell that for you. It's a weird name. A-V-E-N-T-U-U-R. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's info at if you want to send us an email. Delighted to hear any questions, any suggestions. You know, we want to make this the best surf park possible. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be living in Perth the rest of my life. So this has to be the best park in the world. So um, this is the one I'm going to be surfing the most. So any great ideas people have got, just let us know. Yeah, sick. And if you can't get cold at Andy, get in touch with us via Instagram or barreledpodcast at gmail.com. Adzi? Yeah, i got one last question. Who's getting the first wave? <laughs> or is that a foregone conclusion well, from what we've worked out uh, in this chat already? Mate, my little frothy Grom, Lockie, he's going to be about 17 by the time that we launch it. So I reckon it's going to be a foot race between us. <laughs> between so the two of you? Between the two of us, yeah. There's no but, chance of like a, a raffle or anything like that? Or is it? Uh, is, mate, there, is there health and safety concerns? Uh, wink, wink, nudge, no. nudge between letting someone in the first public, public one. There's kind of like, there's, there's like first, there's like the first wave and then there's kind of like first waves, if you like. Okay. So um, we've got a bunch of crew that have supported us a long time. We'll be, you know, the, I'm hoping maybe I'll take the very first wave. I might, I might get the left. <laughs> Maybe like you'll get the right or something. Sick. But um, yeah, we're going to be having like first wave sessions with like over a short period for um, all, a whole bunch of crew. It's just, and like it is just epic. It is like having this massive fun factory at your fingertips to do whatever the hell you want with. It's so good. I'm pretty keen. I haven't surfed in the pool yet. So uh, I mate, cannot this- wait to see this one roll up. Oh man, I'm frothing for sure. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Brown Surf Podcast, and we will catch you next time on the show. Thanks for listening. Ooh.